Let's pray together. We bow before you, our God. We come to hear you, to hear what you would say to us, pleasant or painful, clear or unclear, we come to hear from you. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. In your name we pray, amen. This is a rather special moment for me because just about this time, early in September in 1961, and I'll let you do the math. I sat right back there one Wednesday evening for a prayer service. I was brand new in seminary, out of my depth, out of my comfort zone, wondering about all this. And in my heart came the words, like a river glorious is God's perfect peace, overall victorious in its bright increase. I said, yes, and haven't looked back since. A centipede was perambulating down the road, and a spider jumped out in front of him. The centipede gathered all his forces to run, and the spider said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's just so, so interesting to watch you. I I'm wondering, when, when you are going to run, which leg do you move first? Well, it's, uh, I, uh, uh, and while he was trying to decide, the spider jumped on him and ate him up. Life can be like that, can't it? <laughs> so many things to do, so many decisions to make, so many demands upon us, and while we're trying to decide, our enemy is waiting to devour us. It must have been like that for the Israelites. Life had been very simple. Make more bricks. And now, 613 laws, tabernacles and sacrifices, and what you do with the slave, and, 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 and what you do with, with the, the, when your washcloth gets leprosy. And, <sighs> and Moses says, Folks, I can simplify all that. What does the Lord your God want from you? He doesn't want what you can do for him. He doesn't want your devotions. He doesn't want your church going. He doesn't want your tithe. He doesn't want your witnessing. He does not want what you can do for him. He wants you. The way this passage ends, you shall love the Lord, therefore. That's what it's about. A few years ago, Karen and I sat on a log on a beach of Lake Michigan watching the sunset. And I had in my pocket a velvet-covered box and what was in the box I had spent most of my summer's earnings to buy. And I said to Karen, I want you. 
Now, suppose she had said to me, oh, John, that's wonderful. That's so exciting. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a million dollars. I'll give you a new Corvette. I'll give you gourmet meals. But you can't have me. What would have been my response? I don't want those things. Now, with you, those would be very nice. <laughs> but without you, they mean nothing. And that's what God is saying to us here in seminary in 2015. Yes, I love your intellect. Yes, I love your passion. Yes, I love your devotion. Yes, but most of all, I want you. If all the rest of this stuff comes to you and I don't get you, it's been worthless. That's what he's saying to us. He wants the core of you. Don't ever let your people forget when the Bible talks about heart, it's not talking about Valentine's Day. It's not talking about where you feel all squishy when somebody pretty walks in. The heart in the Bible is the core of your being. That's where you think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's where you decide. And yes, it is where you feel. But it is the core of your being. And so when God says, oh, love me with all your heart, he's saying, love me with everything you've got. With every ability, with every passion, with every concern, love me. And if he's got me, there's a good chance he'll get the rest of it, isn't it? So what will be the evidence that he has us? A walk. This has come more and more vividly to my thinking in these recent years. Salvation is not a position. Salvation is not a condition. Salvation is not a state. Salvation is a walk. A long walk in the same direction, as a book title says. To walk with him, to do what he does, to go where he goes. Walking is never static. Walking is a progress. And I'm confident that in Isaiah, the prophet knew exactly what he was saying when he said, you will soar with the eagles, you'll run with the champions, but most of all, you'll walk with the turkeys. That's the Living Oswald version. <laughs> oh yes, some days we soar. Some days we run, but every day we walk with our hand in his, going at his speed, going in his direction, going in his way. Do you love him? Yes. Then, my brothers and sisters, walk with him day after day 
after day. Never forgotten. My mother had so many interesting words of wisdom. I was talking one day about something really, really exciting and this cute girl that I'd met, and she said, honey, remember, life is very daily. Yes. And what will characterize this walk, Moses? Service. Service. Remember what Jesus said? I have not come to be served, but to serve. Oh, the walk that is walking with God with our hand in his is a walk of service. I want to be about his work, in other words. If he confronted evil, I want to confront evil. If he gave himself away for the lost, I want to give myself away for the lost. If he loved the outcast and the stranger, the broken and the helpless, I want to do that too. Did you catch it there, he says? Remember who you were. You were outcasts once. So don't look down on the outcast now. Serve me. I saw a survey recently that said that today, 80% of Christian college students want to be involved in entertainment, sports, or travel when they graduate. How different from 75 years ago when 80% of Christian college students wanted to go into service professions because God had their hearts. And our God is a God who serves. What will characterize this walk? Service, yes. What will characterize this walk? Obedience. Now our enemy has done a terrible number on us. Oh yes, there he sits in heaven, the great tyrant. You will do what I say or I will smash you. Obey, yes, yes, I, I'll obey. Oh, we've missed it all. What does he mean when he says, be holy because I'm holy? He means, do what I do in order to share my character. Why does he tell me not to bear false witness about my neighbor? Because he doesn't do that. I hope there are instant replays in heaven. I want to see somebody who's been raised a pagan, who knows gods will lie themselves silly to get what they want, who meets this God. You mean he never lies to get an advantage? No. Oh, my goodness. What kind of a God is that? The holy God. Oh, what does it mean to obey him? What it means is to walk joyously in his footsteps. For me, one of the great moments of the week was on Sunday afternoon when my dad couldn't work because he was a Christian. And it drove him crazy because he lived to work. 
And he would say, come on, Johnny, let's go for a walk. And we'd go for a walk. And he who only graduated from the eighth grade could tell me the name of every tree in the woods, every flower, every grass. But I remember one time the snow was up to about here somewhere. At least it seemed like that to me when I was 10 years old. And we were walking. I was following him. And he was sort of plowing through the snow. And I was staggering along. And he looked back and he said, oh, look, just, just walk in my footsteps. Yeah. A walk that's characterized by service. I want to do what he does. A walk that is characterized by obedience. I want to be like him. I want to love what he loves and hate what he hates. But by what right does God ask this kind of thing? How dare he say to me, I want you? Well, <laughs> according to Moses, there is the right of the creator. He made us. More than creator, he is the owner. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. That includes you and me, doesn't it? Yes, your maker, your owner has a right to say, may I have you? But interestingly, did you notice the mood of the verb, may I have you? Say more about that in a minute. Because he is the God of all gods and absolutely just. Yes, he is our creator, but he is also the one to whom we will have to give an account. He is the one who in the last day will say, John, what did you do with that pile of talents I gave you? Something uh, for your uh, trivia bank. We call human abilities talents precisely because of the New Testament parable. He's our creator. He's the supreme, the only God. He is our judge. In view of the fact that he is so great, that he is so unique, that he is our final judge, the most reasonable thing in the world to do is to give yourself to him, which is exactly what Romans 12, 1 and 2 are talking about. The, the scholars struggle. Give your body to God, which is your reasonable worship, your spiritual worship. Same Greek word. Which is it? Give your bodies to God because it is the only thing that makes sense in worshiping him. Yes. Yes. And that's what the fear of the Lord is. 
He is not your good buddy in heaven. He is not great grandpa in the sky who says, oh, honey, that's all right. He is God. He is the God who can fry you by looking at you. To fear the Lord is not to live in terror because he is not inconsistent, unpredictable. No, it's not to live in terror, but it's to live in the awareness there is a God and I'm not him. But we're not done. He is the creator. He is the great God. He is the judge. And he chose you in love. Oh, friends, there is good news. If the God who can fry you alive by looking at you loves you, that's good news. That's good news. If the little God who lives under your bed to answer your prayers loves you, who cares? But if that God loves me, oh my, he chose you. Oh, I don't know how it is, but I know for certain God personally chose every one of you. Your picture is on his refrigerator. How can every one of us be his special favorite? I don't know, but we are. And we know it because of the cross. And so together, yes, I will not offend him, so help me God, because I love him. And he asks for you your whole heart, your whole being. And so we say, right, yeah, I'll do that. And Moses says, hold on, hold on. Therefore, verse 16, circumcise your hearts and do not be stiff-necked any longer. What are you talking about, Moses? Oh, you see, our hearts are not a clean sheet of paper. We come into this world blotted. That came home to me in a special way several years ago. I got a new computer, and I was loading software on it. Back in those days, you know, when you put in floppy disks? And several of them, it would come up, bad file. I'd try it again, no such file. Try it again, fatal error, machine will now shut down. So I called support, and I finally got a live human being. Took a while, but eventually. And I explained to him, he said, oh, you got a program running in the background. I said, huh? No. No, down here at the bottom, it tells all the programs I've got. He said, you got a program running in the background. I said, well, okay, what do I do? Well, punch these keys. I did. Brrr, 
20 programs that I didn't know about when I turned on the machine were there running. And he said, okay, let's work down through. Oh, there it is, there it is. Delete that one. So I deleted it. He said, have a nice day, and hung up. And as I hung up, I thought, there's a program running in the background here. A program that says, I will have my way. Helps to be raised on the farm. What's that business of stiff-necked? Oh, my. Just try to lead a calf any place. Good place, bad place, any place. The calf says, no. Sticks in all four hooves, makes its neck like a rod. And that's us, folks. God says, come my way. And we say, no. It's a program running in the background. I will give my whole life to God. Bad command. I will give my whole life to God. No such file. I will give my whole life to God. Fatal error. Machine will now shut down. <laughs> Nietzsche was right. The will to power. So what are we going to do? Moses says, circumcise the foreskins of your hearts. Now, this is not an easy topic to talk about in a mixed audience, but we need to be very clear on this. Why did God want Abraham to put his covenant mark there? Not here, not here, not here, there. Why? Because across the ancient world, the erect male penis is a symbol of power, of domination, of my ability to stamp myself upon the world. And God says, that's where I want my mark to go. Now, ladies, I have to tell you, the problem in the world is not the male genitals. So this is not a strictly male problem. This is an us problem. Somehow, God has to put his brand of ownership upon my whole being. Ask the baby who's being circumcised and he'll tell you that hurts. No, circumcision of the heart is not a sprinkle of a little holy water from a rose. Circumcision of the heart is death. Death to my way. Death to my rights. Death. But look what he says. You circumcise your hearts. Wait a minute, God. That doesn't work. I've tried. I've tried to give my whole self to God, and there comes that bad command thing. 
What do you mean? You circumcise your hearts. Oh, that's just it, you see. Our God is a gentleman. And so he says, are you willing to take the first step, whatever it is? Are you willing to give me permission to come to you with a knife in my hand? It's amazing to me in these long, long, long years that God has allowed me to live to discover a very similar pattern again and again that there is some one thing that's preventing me from allowing God to circumcise my heart. For me, it was the call to ministry. When I went to college, I only knew one thing about my future vocation. I knew what I wouldn't do. I would not preach. But in my sophomore year, I heard a man preach who knew Jesus very intimately in ways that I knew I did not. So I went to talk to him. And he very quickly diagnosed my problem. John Oswalt was on the throne of John Oswalt's life. Christ had to go on the throne. And so he said, would you, uh, would you like him to be on the throne of your life? And I said, yeah. He looked at me. I'll never forget it. His nose was about that far from mine. He said, John. What is it you won't do? I just blurted it out. I won't be a preacher. He said, well, that's the end of our conversation then, isn't it? I said, no, no. I mean, I, how can he be king if there is something you will not do? And that day, I took that step to circumcise my heart. Could I do it? No, no, he had to do it. But he couldn't do it till I gave him permission. And I did. And it's the best thing I ever did in my whole life, except marrying Karen. <laughs> Circumcise the foreskin of your hearts, therefore, and be no longer stubborn. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, Jesus, you can have me with whatever gifts, whatever abilities, whatever little talents, whatever little bitty things that you don't need at all, but you can have me and all them too. And you may take the knife to my heart and make me holy yours. What does the Lord your God require of you? Only one thing. You. Let's pray.
for someone here, Lord, you intended this message. Someone who needs you to take the knife to them. Someone who's been trying to give himself or herself to you for a long time, but trying to keep hold of their own way at the same time. Do your work here, Lord. Do your sweet, blessed, holy work. And for all of us, Lord, some of us who've been on the road a long, long time, and yet we've taken our hands out of your hand and put it in our pockets, have mercy on us. Let us reach out again today to that strong, warm, beckoning hand and say, yes, Lord, you can have me and I'm going to walk with you in service and obedience and love. In your name we've prayed, amen.